Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We come uh, this morning. It's a little bit of a sad day for me. Uh, today will be my last Sunday here. And so I've um, been very grateful for uh, the time here and can't really express that adequately enough. But I was trying to figure out how to sort of, how to kind of finish up here. And, and what I'd just like to do this morning, if it's okay with you, is, is look at a passage of Scripture and just offer some words of encouragement and really kind of a charge, really two charges this morning, charge to Jason and then a charge to the church as you guys move forward in Jason's new ministry here. So to do that, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. So I encourage you, if you're able, to please stand as we read from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And it says, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we who are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You have chosen to reveal Yourself to us through it. And so, Father, this morning I pray that I would be neither seen nor heard. But I pray Your Word would be heard very clearly. That You would come by Your Holy Spirit this morning. That He would come and He would dwell in this place in such a way that He would enliven and enrich Your Word, that as we hear, that we would understand. And that as we understand, we would be transformed. I pray, Lord, this morning that You would use Your Word in a powerful way. A powerful way to encourage this church, to encourage their new pastor. Lord, to bless them. But to also help them to understand the great responsibility and the great stewardship of the Gospel. So Lord, now I just pray, guide my words, that they might be pleasing to You, that they might be edifying to Your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, let's see. So I want to just kind of start out by looking at this passage, just, just kind of briefly, thinking about some things. The first thing I want us all to understand is that we have been called by Jesus. Each and every one of us, we have been called by Jesus. We have been called into His service. If you have been called as a believer, if you have found salvation in Jesus Christ, that was His calling on your life to call you to serve Him. 
And he has called us, Paul says here, to some very specific roles. Now he, he mentions several here. He mentions the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Some roles are more prominent than others, but there are a number of roles that need to be filled. And everybody has a role. Now some people, some people have ambitions for the more prominent roles. And maybe that's okay. But the really question is, what role are we called to as individuals? How has God called us? How has He equipped us? And so He's called us to specific roles, but He's also called us to a specific body. This letter was written to a church. I think we forget that sometimes, but it was written to a church, to a local body of believers, just like this, in one sense where a group of people got together in the name of Jesus, worshiped together, encouraged one another, discipled one another, fellowshiped with one another, prayed with one another, and all these things. And I want to just give you my opinion on something that I do not believe that God is arbitrary in placing people in bodies. I believe he's very intentional and he's very specific. It is not by accident that you are a part of the church body that you are a part of. I fully believe that. I actually believe that it is a sacred thing to be a part of a church body. And it frustrates me to no end to see people who go from church to church to church because I wasn't being fed. My needs weren't being met. They didn't have the programs we liked. According to Scripture, being a part of a body is a sacred thing. Paul uses the analogy of a human body with all its parts doing its part to make the body function and healthy and work like it should. And so... When we think about it, we cannot be just capricious in selecting a body. We can't just go out and, and say, okay, I think I'll go over here for a while. Now I think I'm going to go over here for a while. Now I think I'm going to go over here for a while. That is not the biblical model of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. We're all called to a body. Now there may be times to leave that body that are good and right and proper. But I think those are, those are the exceptions rather than the rule. And we need to understand our calling in that. The second thing I want us to understand is we see here that in verse 12, well, in verse 11 and verse 12, is that we are equipped by Jesus. As He has called us, He has equipped us. So Jesus calls us to do something. He gives us this task. Now the great task that He gave us is His great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. That is the great commission we have been given. And we've been given a lot of other commands about how we are supposed to treat one another and how we are supposed to treat all people. But God didn't just simply say, okay, here's what I want you to do Good luck. 
God came and He said, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I am calling you to do. And I'm going to equip you to do it. He's going to equip all of us with the tools. He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. He's going to give us His Word. He's going to give us one another. Right? So He doesn't just say, alright, go have fun building my kingdom. He goes, go build my kingdom and here are the tools you need to do it. Now you have to use those tools. You have to take advantage of those tools. You have to develop those tools sometimes. But I'm going to give you everything you need to make it happen. So He has called us and He has equipped us. And I want you to understand, He has equipped all of us. We have all been given at least one spiritual gift. I want to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read uh, beginning in verse 4. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul's very clear there. The same Paul who wrote this, this passage in Ephesians, he's very clear that every believer in Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift. Okay? Everyone. You have at least one if you are in Jesus Christ. If you do not have a spiritual gift, you are not in Jesus. Okay? Let me, let me explain that pretty carefully, clearly. If you don't have a spiritual gift, you're not in Jesus. Period. That's what Paul is saying here. Because he says that everyone who is in Christ has a giftedness. Everyone who is a part of the body is gifted to serve. Because notice what he says here. He says, to each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. God gifts us, He gives us these good gifts that He equips us with, but why? To serve ourselves? No, to serve each other for the common good. So each of us is equipped, but we are all equipped differently. Every part of the body has a different function, and no part is sufficient by itself. So if we go back to Paul's analogy of a human body, that was really a good one. Because you think about all the different parts of your body, how complex we are as human beings in our human bodies and how they work. And we think about it, and it's just amazing. But sometimes I think we feel like the appendix. <laughs> right? Like, I'm nice to have, but nobody's going to miss me if I'm gone. Right? But there, are, there is no appendix in the body of Christ. We're all necessary. We all have a part to play. Now, one member cannot give the body life by itself. As important as your heart is, how well is it going to work without your lungs? How well is it going to work without your kidneys? How well is it going to work without your stomach? Right? All the parts have to be working together. If they don't, the body's going to fall apart. So it's incumbent upon every member to do their part as they are gifted, as they are placed in that body. So we've been called by Jesus, we've been equipped by Jesus, we have been assigned by Jesus. 
So even in the body of Christ, each part has been given a specific function. Again, no part is called to do anything, everything. Every part is called to do something, but no part is called to do everything. Now this is important, and you need to listen up to this. It is not the pastor's job to do the ministry of the church. Notice what Paul says here. He says, and he has given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. His job, Jason's job, is not going to be to do ministry for you. You can't, he's not your, he's not your ministry surrogate. You don't hire it out. You don't pay him to do it. And I've heard that a lot. Well, why don't you go out in the community and sh share with people? We pay our pastor to do that. Why don't you go visit people in the hospital? We pay our pastor to do that. It's not a biblical idea. He is not an employee. He is here to equip you. His primary ministry is to equip you for the work of ministry. And your job, to, to keep following Paul here, so to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And what is the work of ministry? It is the building up of the body of Christ. So each part doing its part in verse 16 will make the body grow. The primary ministers in this church and in any church should not be just the pastor. It should be everybody. Everybody in the church should be the ministers of the church. The priesthood of all believers, Martin Luther called it. We are all to be working. We are all to be serving. We are all to be ministering. So we are called by Jesus, equipped by Jesus, assigned by Jesus in order that we might be united in Jesus. Again, notice what he says here in verse 13. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The objective is Jesus. That's the goal. What we're all, that's what we should all be shooting for here, is Jesus. Jesus is central to this passage. He should be central to any ministry in any church. Because again, what does this building of the body look like? What is the goal? What is the end goal? Right? Bill never started building a house without knowing what the end of it was going to be. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> but you know, he, he, you knew. You start with a set of plans, and you know what it's supposed to look like when you get done. Right? You don't just start building. But so often as in churches, we just start building. We don't think about, well, what does it lead to look like when it gets done? What is a disciple? What does it mean to make disciples? Well, Paul gives us some clue here. He says that we would all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So we know that it is about being unified. It's about knowing Jesus in a real, intimate, personal way. It is about to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is about being mature and being like Jesus, the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may no longer be children. And it says that we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, who is Christ. You see, the point of the calling, equipping, and assigning is so that as a body, 
we will look more like Jesus. The real test of success in ministry, in any ministry, in any church, is not the size of the congregation. It is not the number of programs. It is not the building. It is the Christ-likeness of the people. If you want to know, are you being successful as a church? Do you look like Jesus? That's the question. As a body. So, with those thoughts in mind, we're going to offer a charge to Jason and a charge to the church. I'm going to start with Jason. You guys get to listen in. Jason, the path you have chosen is not a job. It is not a profession. But it truly is a calling from God. Don't overlook that. It is a calling that has been confirmed by the Holy Spirit's work in your life and affirmed by those around you who have seen evidence of this calling. Remember that calling. God has placed you here to shepherd this church as its pastor. That is an important and high calling, one of the highest callings. And remember this calling that God has placed on your heart and remember it often. There will be times when you will think, what have I done? Why have I done this? Why have I made this decision? Remember your calling. There will be times of great victory and great joy. You want to remember your calling then as well. And as you have been called the shepherd of your flock, remember sometimes that means you have to defend your flock. You have to defend your flock from wolves. And wolves are dangerous. And wolves inflict pain. Remember that. Remember your calling during those times when you are hurt. And it is quite possible that some of the deepest hurt and some of the, the meanest things that will happen to you will not come from wolves, but will come from your sheep. Sheep bite. Sometimes they bite their shepherd. And those will be the most painful bites. Those will be the most painful things. You will definitely need to remember this call of God on your life at this time. Now, I've gotten to know everybody pretty well, but sheep can sometimes be obstinate. They can sometimes be disobedient. They can sometimes be a little bit mean. Just be prepared for that. Remember your call. Remember your call that you are not called to this. You didn't just fall into this. This didn't happen by accident. This was God's plan. It was His purpose. It was His timing. He has called you to this special and holy task. And Dawn, this call is as much your call as it is Jason's. I think you understand that. Given, given your home, given the model that you had as a pastor's wife. Sometimes you're going to have to remind Jason of this calling. Sometimes you're going to need to be reminded of it when you go, what are we doing? How did this happen? But it'll be okay. Remember your call. Because if you remember that call, it'll help sustain you. Remember that you are equipped, Jason. There will be times when you feel inadequate and overwhelmed. I want to assure you that you are. No one is adequate. 
to, to shepherd a church. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need His Holy Spirit. That's why we need other people to come around us that understand that you are incapable of doing ministry by yourself. You're incapable of doing what you are called to do unless God has equipped and empowered you to do it. So when you feel inadequate, embrace that inadequacy and don't let it drive you to despair. Let it drive you to the cross. To the grace of Jesus and all that He has already given you and all that He has promised you through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. That equipping. Embrace it. Embrace your inadequacy. Allow it to drive you to God. Because oftentimes, God uses our weakness to do great things. But when we feel strong all the time, when we feel like we got it all together, when we feel like we're in control, that is when we are in the greatest danger. Do not forget this in this position. Remember your equipping because it will keep you humble. And it will bring glory to God. Understand that whatever work is done, whatever work is accomplished, whatever fruit is born through your ministry, that it is not you who have done it. But it is God who has done it through you. Your responsibility is to be faithful to His calling and to be a good steward of His equipping. But, remember, it is God who is equipping. Remember that His power is at your disposal. Because sometimes when we, when we think about what well, can, can I do it and what can I do and how can I do it, then we start having dreams and we start having visions about what could be. We start having ambitions. But those dreams and those ambitions and those visions will be Jason-sized dreams and visions and ambitions. But if you remember that your equipping is from God and His power then you will dream God-sized dreams, see God-sized visions, and understand things from His perspective and His power and what He can do. Again, don't... You're going to have to remind Him of this sometimes. He's going to feel overwhelmed. It's going to happen. You need to remind Him that He doesn't do it all Himself. That He, needs, that he is equipped by God. And that's why the people that come around Him. Remember that it is God who has equipped you as He has called you to this place to shepherd these people and rely on that calling and that equipping. And you are assigned. Now, there's going to be, I think, a feeling, and this happens to all sorts of pastors, unless they're just lazy, and I don't believe you're lazy, you will feel obligated to do everything. You will feel obligated to be a part of everything. Don't. It's not your job to do everything. It is your job to equip these people to do the work of ministry. So don't get confused. God has called you for a specific task and equipped you for that task in this body. Not every task. Your job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is your job. For the building up of the body of Christ. You're not supposed to do ministry for these people. You're supposed to equip them so that they can do ministry in service of Jesus Christ. And if, and if you 
do for them what they can do for themselves, if you do for them what they ought to be doing for themselves rather than equipping them to do it, you are doing them a great disservice. A lot of pastors do that. They just do everything and their people just sit back and watch and applaud. Or the pastor destroys himself, disables the people, and hurts the whole body. Don't do it. Even when you're tempted to do it. And you will do a lot of things that you will equip these people. But in pre most preeminent, I believe, is the teaching of the Word of God. I don't believe there's anything more important you will do. I believe it is the single most important thing you will do. And you will do it in at least two ways. You will do it as a preacher. God speaks to His people through His Word by preachers. As foolish as that is, maybe to us, it's still the way He chooses to operate. And so it is a very special calling and a very weighty calling to, to be called as a preacher of the Word of God. So I encourage you to engage it with fear and trembling. James 3.1 says that not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It's a weighty and high calling. Don't forget that. I think the words of Dr. Al Mohler might be useful here. He writes this. He says, The preacher is to preach all that the Bible contains. The preacher is to preach nothing that the Bible does not contain. The preacher is neither to add nor subtract. The preacher is not to be clever. The preacher is not to aspire to be original. The preacher is not to seek to convey his own ideas. The preacher is to preach the Word of God. That is your job. To preach the Word of God to these people. You will also equip these people, you will preach to these people as much through your time in the pulpit as you will by the example of your life. It's just the way it is. Your flock will look to you to lead it into godliness. And whatever you are, that's what your church will be. Your church will ultimately be a reflection of its pastor. I truly believe that. So whatever you want them to be, you must work to be, you must aspire, aspire to be, because your church will ultimately grow to resemble you. Remember that. So my charge to you today, Jason, is to remember your call. God has a call, chosen you in a special and sacred way. Remember your equipping that God has empowered you and equipped you for this role that He has called you to do, this weighty and sacred role. And remember your assignment, that God has not called you to do everything, but that He has called you to equip these saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So now to the church. You are called. Like Jason, you have been called as a part of this body, this family of believers. Now ultimately the hope is that God will call more to be a part of this family, of course. But as you are called, I want each and every one of you to understand something, that you are important. Not just important, I believe you are essential to this body functioning the way God intends it to be. Every one of you is valuable. Every one of you is necessary. Whatever your gifts, whatever your calling, Whatever, you are necessary here and you're important here.
your presence, your energy, your love, your service. These things are all necessary. And, and each and every one of you is equipped in some way to serve the body of Christ. Now some of you are equipped in multiple ways to serve the body of Christ. While everyone has one spiritual gift, some people have more. But you all have a gift. And sitting on a pew is not a spiritual gift. Okay? Being a tail in the seat, that's not in the Bible as a spiritual gift. Showing up, being present is not a spiritual gift. And to be clear, complaining is not a spiritual gift. I know some people who are certain they have the spiritual gift of complaining. But it is not a spiritual gift. There are lots of gifts. There are a variety of gifts, Paul says. But I want you all to understand, you have a gift. If you don't know what that gift is, then it is Jason's job to help you understand what your giftedness is. But then when you understand your giftedness, it is your responsibility to put it to work in this body in the service of this body, and in service to the kingdom of Christ. And that you have an assignment. And your assignment is not to serve yourself. It is not to come here on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, whenever, and so you can feel good. It is not to come here and get your spiritual buzz so you can make it through the week. It is to come here to build up the body of Christ. It's what each and every one of us is called to do and called to be. You have not hired someone to do ministry for you. You have called someone who will equip you to do the work of ministry. There was, in Acts chapter 6, there was um, a little bit of a controversy. The apostles, they were preaching, they were teaching, the church was growing, and a real physical need came up, a need of service. There were some widows they were going hungry. They were being overlooked in their, in their, um, in their this needs of, of daily food. And, and so the, the apostles were getting a lot of pressure from folks because this was a real need that needed to be met. And they were, they were getting the pressure to meet those needs. And I want you to notice how they responded. In verse uh, chapter 6, verse 2, and it says, And the twelve summoned the full numbers of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. The apostles said, look, this is important. This needs to be done. But if we do it, we will be taking time from our calling, from our assignment, which is praying and preaching the Word and teaching. So we're going to assign somebody else to do it. Because we understand as apostles that if we do it, we are actually going to hurt you. So we don't want to hurt you, so we're going to, we're going to help you, we're going to equip you, we're going to give you this assignment. So as you work and you, and you go, I, I encourage you to to honor and support your pastor. Your pastor will be the greatest asset this church has. He's a good one. He probably will be. So, this is a little bit corny, I suppose, but I want to encourage you to be a pest to your pastor. 
Number one, I want you to pray for him. Pray for him and pray for his family daily. And don't just pray, God bless Jason, God bless Dawn, Wesley and Logan. That's fine. But find out what he needs. Now, how can I pray for you? How can we pray? Go to the Bible. See how the Bible encourages us to pray for our leaders. So pray for him. Number two, encourage him. Encourage him when he succeeds. That's great. But I'm going to tell you, he's going to need even more when he fails. And he's going to fail. He's not perfect. He's probably going to have a lot of successes and more successes and failures, but when those failures come, they will sting. Encourage him, especially in his failures. So pray for him, encourage him, support him. Support him particularly as he moves you to change. As he moves you to stretch yourself in service to the Lord. As he moves you to reach out, to do ministry differently perhaps, to sacrifice more, to do things that are uncomfortable. Trust him and support him in these things. And then fourth, do trust him. Trust that whatever He does, He has your best interest in mind. And He believes that He is doing what is right according to the Word, the word and to the Lord's will. Trust Him in that. Because in His mind, He needs to understand that He is accountable for your care. You know, I don't know for those of you know, how you were, your kids were, but I don't know how my kid is. You know, he doesn't always understand that what I'm doing is in his best interest. Right? Now your kids might have gone, thanks for looking out for me, Dad. I appreciate that. You know, but, but chances are, you know, your kids had a lot of times in their life where they didn't understand that what you were doing was for their benefit. There are going to be times where he's going to lead you and ask you to do stuff that is for your benefit that you're not going to like very much. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging to what you like, what you want, what you believe sometimes. I encourage you to trust Him. So pray for Him, encourage Him, support Him, and trust Him. Next, I want you to engage. Engage in the work and the ministry you've been called to. Whatever your gift is, use it. Okay? Actually, I'm asking you to pester your pastor. So this is not just be a pest. So to whatever you've been called to, do that work. Don't sit back and let other people do it. Don't just go, eh, it'll get taken care of. No, whatever you've been called to, understand, look, figure out what your gift is, figure out what your calling is, and do it. And then finally, I encourage you to respect your pastor. If you have differences with him, if you have issues with him, speak to him and not about him. Okay? Go to him directly. Jason, we need to talk. And then work it out. It's brothers and sisters in Christ. But don't go, hey Ann, Jason is killing me. Okay, don't, don't do that. Talk to him, not about him. Okay? So my charge to you as a church today is this. To remember your call. God has chosen to use you in a special and sacred way. He's called you to be a part of this body. And remember your equipping. 
as individuals and as a body, that He has called this church to a special place and a special time and a special task. And I don't know what that is. But I don't believe you would be here if He didn't call you to it. So trust in that. Remember your equipping that He has equipped and empowered each one of you to this work to which you have been called. And remember for each and every person that God has called you not to do everything, but to do the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. He has called you to do whatever it is He has called you to do specifically in this body according to how He has gifted you. So in closing, I'd just like to offer a charge to everybody. It is not about Jason. Pastors do not grow churches. If this church grows because of him, it will fail. It is about Jesus. The growth of his kingdom is God's work. And he uses men and women to do that. But don't let a cult of personality grow up here. Keep Jesus Christ central to all that you do and all that you are. And always point people to you. Second, remember it is not about you. It is not about being ministered to. It is about ministering. Okay. Now there will be times and it is appropriate to be ministered to in the body of Christ. And that's what we're here for for mutual encouragement, mutual accountability, mutual edification. But if we come in with the mindset of how are we going to be served, we will rarely serve. So our mind, your mind, has to be, how can I go to Hope Church? How can I serve it? And how can I serve the community in which it's a part? Third, It's not about even other people, though. As important as people are, it's ultimately not about them. Again, to point you back to point one, it's about Jesus. Keep Him central. Because here's the thing. If we get so focused on trying to, to draw people in and reach people, just and people begin to consume us, we will start to do things that are contrary to the Word and the calling of God. We will make compromises because, well, they won't come if we don't do this. Or they won't come if we do this. No, the question is, is Jesus central? What would Jesus have us to do? That is always the question. Because ultimately, it is about Jesus. He must be central to all that you are and all that you do here. If He is not, you should close the doors right now. Because you won't last. You won't make a difference. I don't want to be harsh in saying that, but I believe it's the truth. Any church that loses the centrality of Jesus Christ, the centrality of the gospel, the centrality of making disciples, will fail. And it won't make any difference at all. So again, my charge to every one of you in here this morning is when you come to this place every Sunday, every time you come, don't ask, how can the church serve me? Don't even ask, how can I grow to be more like Jesus? Well, that's an important question. That's not even the question. The question is, 
How can I help other people grow to be more like Jesus? How are you going to do that, church? How are you going to do that, Jason? What's the answer to that question? How can I help other people grow to be more like Jesus? If you answer that question correctly and you respond correctly, then this, will, this church will flourish, it will be faithful, and it will be fruitful. But if you get that wrong, so I just, this morning, pray God's blessing on you and uh, just say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. And I'd just like to pray for you now and um, well, I'll be done. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for Jason and Dawn and Wesley and Logan. Thank you for their commitment to you, their, their willingness to follow you in something new and something that's maybe even a little frightening as it is uncertain. But Lord, I pray for them that they would be full of the knowledge of your love for them, that they would understand the height and breadth and depth and width of the love of God that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that he would empower them and encourage them and strengthen them, and that you would use him in a mighty way for your honor, for your glory, for the good of this church, the good of these people, for their building up, and for the building of your kingdom. The Lord, that they would remember their calling, their equipping, and their assignment, and that they would follow you faithfully wherever it is you lead, whatever it is you call them to do, that you would lead them in that place, that you would lead them in that time. Now, Father, in all these things, I just, I just ask and pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I, I'd just like to say thank you. This has been a great experience for me. Um, I, couldn't, I didn't know exactly what I was going to be going in, um, and it has been so much more and so much greater than anything I could have anticipated or your generosity, your kindness to, to me and my family, your patience with me has been remarkable, and thank you for that. And so I'd like to do something a little different in closing this morning um, because I think the Apostle Paul can say it much better than I can. I want to read um, what he wrote to the church at Philippi, people that he loved greatly because of the service they had been to him. So as you've been such a great service to me, I'd like to close with this as a prayer for you this morning. So Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are, you are all partakers of me with grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.